Hello, good morning. This is Rick Pina, and I am bringing you today's word for March 21st, 2022. I'm teaching a series, well, all year, going to be on intentional progress, where we are going to pursue the progress that God destined for us for 2022, and we're going to be intentional about it. We're going to be deliberate about it. But we've also been studying the life of Jesus. We're just a few weeks away now, a few days away from Resurrection Sunday morning. And so that's where we celebrate the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. As we've been studying the life of Jesus on the road to the resurrection, I trust that you've been enjoying these messages. Now, today, I'm going to talk about going from covering to cleansing. In the Old Testament, they had these rituals and routines. In the New Testament, we have a relationship with Jesus. I want you to prepare yourself to receive the word. So this is Life Lessons from the Life of Jesus, part 49. And as we're getting closer and closer to Resurrection Sunday or Easter Sunday morning, some people call it Easter. I call it Resurrection Sunday because it's not about bunny rabbits or anything like that or chocolate eggs. It's about the blood of Jesus. But anyway, as we're getting closer and closer to Resurrection Sunday morning, uh, then some of the lessons or some of the recaps I've been giving you about what Jesus went through, maybe you rem- you remember that from Sunday school, right? So you're, you're remembering these things, but we're gleaning nuggets uh, from, from all of these things that happened to Jesus and how it was prophesied, and then we apply all those things to our lives today. So this morning, I have three things that I want to share with you based from the Word of God, where we've been studying all of these things in the Gospel according to St. John. Right now, we're in John chapter 19. Let's get straight to the Word. So John chapter 19, I'm going to read for you verses 28 and 29. This is what the Bible says. After this, knowing that all things were accomplished. See, on Friday, I dealt with it is finished, but I had already talked about the the vinegar on Friday. But this morning, I was led to back up a little bit. That's what we're talking about here. Jesus, knowing that pretty much all the prophecies have been fulfilled, Oh, he was like, oh, there's one more. There's one more. So that this last prophecy would be fulfilled. He said... I thirst. And when he said, I thirst, now he's about to die. And and he says, I thirst. And the Bible says, now there was a set of vessel, uh, not too far from where Jesus was on the cross. And this vessel was full of vinegar. Now that's messed up. That's wicked. You, somebody says I'm thirsty and they give them vinegar to drink. And so the Bible says that they filled a sponge with vinegar and put it upon hyssop and then put it into his mouth. And so what does this mean for you Today, I'm going to talk about this one little passage here, and there's so much in it, and then how it applies to our lives today. You might be saying, well, Rick, man, I have a lot on my calendar. I have a lot to do today and a lot to do this week. Please give me something. Yeah, I got you. I got you covered. I have three things to share with you in this morning, and I believe it's going to be a tremendous blessing for you today. You ready? Three things. Number one, here we go. The Old Testament is in the new, and the New Testament is in the old. Let me explain. It's been said, and I agree, that the Old Testament or the Old Covenant is the new covenant concealed, and the new covenant is the old covenant revealed, right? So if you look at the old covenant, the old covenant is riddled with messianic prophecies 
that Jesus had to fulfill. Remember, I already we went through 33 of them not too long ago in this series. And so we're looking at in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, there's all of these prophecies that Jesus had to fulfill in the New Covenant. So as Jesus was on the cross, he fulfilled multiple prophecies. He fulfilled prophecies leading up to the cross. But right before he said, it is finished, which we covered on Friday, it's like, it was like, oh yeah, there's one more thing that has to be fulfilled. So he said, I thirst. What had to be fulfilled? Psalm 69 and 21 had been prophesied that he would be given vinegar to drink. And so, so even in the last moment, Jesus was purpose-driven to the last moment of his life before he gave up the ghost. So in Jesus's life and in our life, here's my point for this morning, for the first point of three, that nothing just happens. Like people say, well, you know, it just so happened that this happened. It just so happened. No, no, no. Nothing just so happens. Remember, God made plans for you from, from the foundations of the world. Remember, God is the one that's moving pieces around the chessboard of your life. God is the one. And, and so as you're walking with God, things are unfolding. And, and it's like the plans and the purposes of God, they are continually unfolding right before your very eyes. So after Jesus said, I thirst, a Roman soldier took a sponge and he, the sponge had, uh, it was on a hyssop stalk, uh, right? So, so even that, watch this, even the hyssop was part of it because hyssop was used in the Passover ceremony. And this was all part of Passover and Jesus was going to become the Passover lamb. And so now Jesus says, I thirst. They take hyssop, part of the Passover ceremony. They fill it with vinegar. Why? To fulfill what was said in Psalms. And then they give it to him. It's almost like adding insult to injury, but it was all part of the plan, right? Even though Jesus is hanging on the cross, he's about to die. He is in excruciating pain. He's dying a slow death. He welcomed the vinegar. Why did he welcome the vinegar? Why? Because it was part of the plan. It was part of the providence and the, the sovereignty of God. It was something that was supposed to happen. See, Jesus became the Passover lamb. That's why the whole hyssop thing, that's Exodus 12 and, and 22. That's why the whole uh, um, vinegar thing, that was Psalms, uh, what was that? Psalm 69 and 21, all of this is being fulfilled right before your very eyes. And then remember earlier in the series, I told you that it was prophesied, Isaiah 7 and 12, that Jesus would be born of a virgin. It was prophesied, uh, uh, Genesis 49 and 8, that he would come from the tribe of Judah, that he would be a descendant of David, that's 2 Samuel 7, that he would uh, also... Uh, be born in Bethlehem. That was Micah 5 and 2, that he would move to Egypt, Hosea 11 and 1, that he would grow up in Nazareth, Judges 13 and 5. And the list can go on. I shared with you 33 different prophecies and there's so many more. Here's my point. My point is that Jesus was fulfilling his destiny and he did it right until the very end. So here he is. He's stretched out on the cross. He's about to give up the ghost. And it's almost like he said, oh, snap, one more thing. I'm thirsty because there's this one more prophecy that needs to be fulfilled. Even down to the very end of his life, it was part of the plan. And I'm saying that God has a plan for you. Your life is not haphazard. God is the one that made plans for you from the foundations of the world. God is a strategic God, which leads me to my second point. My second point is God is always working. Say God is always working. I want you to know that God is always 
working. When you think about the life of Jesus, and we went through all of that, he was born here, then he had to go here, then he had to be raised over here, then he set up his ministry headquarters over here, then he had to do this, then he had to do that, then he had to be betrayed uh, with 30 pieces of silver, then th th this had to happen, then he had to say all these things. Why? It's like God was moving. God is always working. I want you to know that now. While you're going through it, it may not seem like it. It may, it may seem like your life is haywire. It may seem like, like, like for those of us that were in the military, think about it. God was your assignments manager, right? There may, there may be some people that are watching right now that are still in uniform. And they're like, you know, I remember one time I tried to get out of an assignment and I was like, no, this is not. The, and we prayed against it. My whole church was praying against it. We were fasting. We were praying. And God said, no, you need to go. And so we went. And now that was one of the most strategic assignments of my life. And so so God is always working. It, it might seem like your life is haywire. Like you're being pulled here. You're being pulled there. You're going from, from place to place place, from pillar to post. It, it, you're just taking the same zigzag road that Jesus took. Jesus was like, bam, and bam, and bam. Why? Because why? There was, perp there was things that had to happen. So you have a predetermined purpose. God made plans for you from the foundations of the world. So yes, there are times where you got to be moved here. Yes, there are times where you got to be moved there. Yes, there are times where you say, no, I don't, I don't want that to happen. The devil is a liar. Jesus is the Messiah. You pray against it and it happens anyway. I remember when G when uh, uh, Ethan, our last our last child was coming. He was born at 28 weeks. And so at 28 weeks, this baby was going to be super small. And, and it was like, you know, some stuff wasn't formed yet. No, 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 no. We don't want that to happen. We're praying against it. Our church is praying against it. Our pastors are setting their faith in agreement with us. We're fasting. We're decreeing. We're declaring that that baby is not coming. And guess what? That joker came. Why? Because later God showed us why he came. And we needed to be in that NICU. Isabella ministered to people in the NICU for 56 days. That was strategic. And that was... That that was an assignment. And, and, but, but watch this. We had to go through it. And so you may feel like your life is, why did this happen to me? Why did that God, why did it? First of all, you know, sometimes we reap things because we sowed bad seed, but other times God is just moving pieces around the chessboard. So much of what happened in Jesus's life at the time didn't seem like it made any sense. And a lot of times Jesus would even be telling people, he would tell his disciples, listen, I'm trying to tell you something that was like, that don't make no sense. He was like, well, maybe you're going to get it later. You're not going to get it until, until I'm gone. Now later, you're going to understand. And the Bible even says that sometimes leave it even in the book of Acts, they look back, the disciples look back and go, man, that's what Jesus meant. Sometimes you got to look back. Your life is better understood looking in reverse. Sometimes you just got to trust God when you don't understand what he's doing. Sometimes you just got to keep walking. Sometimes you just got to keep believing. Sometimes you just got to trust God. And then when you look back, it's like, now I understand. You're getting progressive revelation. I'm understanding it better by and by. So sometimes, like Jesus, you have to drink the bitter water. Sometimes it's vinegar and sometimes it's sweet water. Listen, but you got to learn how to trust God for both. For the bitter and the sweet, God is still God. Sometimes you're drinking, Jesus had to drink vinegar, but it was part of the plan. Come on now. Sometimes you have bitter, sometimes you have sweet, but it's still part of the plan. You got to learn that all things are going to work together for my good. It doesn't matter, good or bad, up or down, bitter or sweet. God is still God. God still has a plan. He's still moving pieces around the chessboard of your life. You got to learn how to trust God and enter into God's rest. This is why super critical in this point. Let me slow down for this point. If you don't learn how to trust God and enter into God's rest, then you're going to lose peace in your heart. 
And once you don't have peace in your heart, it's going to be hard for you to discern the divine impulses of the Holy Spirit. So your ears won't be attuned to the Holy Spirit and you won't have peace in your heart. And then at that point, you can't hear God. So many times believers can't hear God because they've lost their peace and their minds are too busy complaining to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying. Let me say that again. Uh, uh, if, if you are around complaining, whining and complaining, you, you won't be able to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying. You won't have peace in your heart and you may mess around and lose your way. So you got to trust God constantly. If you're constantly questioning God, it's going to be hard to hear from him. So you have to trust God, even when you don't understand what he's doing, so that you can maintain peace in your heart, so that your ears can be attuned to the Holy Spirit, so that you can hear what God is doing, even when you don't know what he's doing. Say amen to that. Far too many believers shut themselves off from God because they complain too much. They complain, God, why is this happening to me? God, why is that happening to me? Listen, you're not going to hear from God that way. Stop complaining. Start trusting. Enter into God's rest and know that in the end, it's going to work out for your good. And so if you really believe that it's going to work out for your good, then you, you will be at peace. You'll slow down long enough to be like, okay, God, what's the lesson in this? What do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? And how are you going to be glorified? And when you get to that point, you will be amazed that God will, will manifest his glory even in the most difficult situations bitter or sweet, God is still working. You got it? All right. Number three, last point for today. Jesus took us from covering to cleansing. In Exodus 30 and 10, the Bible says, once a year, Aaron, this is the high priest, must purify the altar by placing its horns, the horns of, uh, placing on its horns, the blood from an offering made from the atonement of sin. Now this would be a regular annual event from generation to generation for this is the Lord's supremely holy altar. So let me explain what's going on in Exodus uh, chapter 30. So in Exodus chapter 30, if you read the whole chapter, it opens up with God detailing to Moses what the altar of incense was supposed to look like. The Lord went into great detail when giving details around the tabernacle, because this is where he was going to dwell right? The tabernacle of the Old Testament, the temple of the Old Testament is us today. The Holy Spirit lived in the tabernacle, and then later he lived in the physical temple. The tabernacle moved around. The temple was, was a physical place. And then now we are the temple of God, and the Holy Spirit lives in us. But when God was giving them like instructions on how to build out the tabernacle and the stuff that was going to go in it, God gave them great detail about the dimensions, the type of wood, the placement, what, what are you going to do? And all of this. And the first thing that you that you saw when you walked into the tabernacle was this altar. It was an altar of incense. Now, in this particular ritual of worship, this altar was an altar of incense, but an altar is always used for death. An altar is connected to dying, to sacrifice. So our text is talking about Exodus 30, uh, the Day of Atonement, or what the uh, what the Israelites call Yom Kippur. So on the Day of Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, then what the high priest would do, and people still do that to this day, they take an innocent animal and they sacrifice uh, that innocent animal, and the blood of the animal is offered up as a sacrifice for sins. Now, the word atonement means to cover. Yom Kippur is the Day of Atonement. 
The day of atonement means to cover, say cover. It means like this is sin and it covers sin. Now it doesn't eradicate sin. It doesn't cleanse sin. It doesn't get rid of sin. It just covers the sin. And so, so what God told the Israelites was you are to do this every year. And so you take this, this lamb without spot or blemish, you offer it up, you, you kill the lamb. And then this lamb, the blood of the lamb is offered up to cover as an atonement to cover sin. So this is Leviticus chapter 23, verses 26 through 32. Now, the blood of the animal could never eradicate the sin of a man. All it could do was cover it. So this was a temporary fix. It was a temporary solution until Jesus the Christ came himself. Now, let me let me slow down as I read this, because this is really important, and then I'm going to give you some things as I close. Hebrews chapter 9, verses 24 to 28. This is what the Bible says. Pay attention to the word. Christ went into the most holy place. So you got the outer court, the inner court, the most holy place. Christ went into the most holy place. But it was not the man-made one, which is down here. For the man-made one, which is down here, is just a copy of the real one, which is in heaven. So Jesus went into the most holy place, but he went into the one that's in heaven. And he's there now, continually helping us. Now the high priest enters into the most holy place, once a year. And he takes with him blood, blood as a sacrifice. Now he doesn't offer his own blood like Jesus did. Now Christ went into heaven, but not to offer himself many times like the high priest offers down here, repetitive uh, offerings, blood again, again, and again. No, if Christ had offered himself many times, then he would have had to suffer many times. And so he would have to suffer many times and repeat the process over and over again. But Jesus came to offer himself only once. And that is once for all time. That once is enough for all time. He came at a time when the world was nearing an end and he came to take away all sin by offering himself as a sacrifice. Everyone must die once and then they are judged. So Christ was offered as a sacrifice one time to take away the sins of all people. And he will come a second time, but not to offer himself as a sin. Uh, he will come a second time to bring salvation to those who are still waiting on him. That's Hebrews 9, 24 to 28. Now, I'm taking my time with this because as I close, I need to give you some points from this, but this is really important, right? So um, Adam introduced two problems into this world. Adam introduced Satan's dynamic duo. Satan's dynamic duo was sin and death. When Adam came uh, and Adam sinned, sin and death were introduced into the world. And once sin and death were introduced into the world, then, a, then an offering had to be made, one for sin and one for death, right? And so let me talk about the death one first because I didn't cover that today. I've taught that other times. The blood of the Passover lamb, you know, the, the blood the Passover, and, and they put the blood over the doorpost. And when the death angel came, he passed over wherever there was blood. The blood of the Passover lamb was a symbolic or, or a representative of the sacrifice that is made for death. I didn't cover that today, but I'm just throwing that in there for free. Now, the blood of the atonement lamb is the one, this blood is offered for sin. So one lamb, a, a Passover lamb is offered, innocent lamb, the blood is shed for the offering for death. And then the atonement lamb is for sin. Now, I've already explained to you that the atonement lamb couldn't cleanse you from sin. It could only cover it, 
right? And so now the blood of an animal could only cover it. So it was only good for a year after the year wears out. And so you have to do this every year. Now, Jesus was both, watch this, Jesus, because he came to get us out of everything Adam got us into, Jesus was both the eternal Passover lamb and atonement lamb in one fell swoop. It was one and done with Jesus. So Jesus came and he says, I'm going to be the offering for sin. I'm going to be the offering for death once and for all. And so, so he did it and he redeemed us from the power of sin. He redeemed us from the fear of death. So in Jesus, we graduate from temporary rituals and routines you got to do every year to permanent. We graduate from a ritual going into this temple, no, to relationship. We graduate from the depiction, Old Testament, to the definite, New Testament. We graduate from covering to cleansing. So, so yeah, now when you know what Jesus did for you, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. When you know that you're covered by the blood of Jesus, you've been made white as snow. It's not a covering, it's a cleansing. So Jesus cleansed you from sin. Sin is no longer your problem. You are free from the power of sin. Jesus took the sting out of death. Come on. Now, grave doesn't have any victory. And so now that you're walking with God, no more animals have to die. No more temporary sacrifices have to be offered. Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. Your job now is just to receive what God has already provided. And so when you get a revelation of that, you live complete. It's a whole different thing. It's, it's a whole new world. You're not, you're not having a religious experience. You're, you're not a religious person. You're not going through rites and rituals and routines. You have a relationship with God because you've been delivered from all of that. And you now you can walk with God and allow God to walk with you and knowing that you're covered by the blood of Jesus, knowing that you're filled with the Holy Spirit, knowing that you're called according to your work and purpose. Come on now. Let's close this message out with a declaration of faith. I want you to lift up your voice and speak this over your life. Say, Father, you know the end from the beginning. You made plans for me before I was born. I know your hand is on my life. So whether the glass that is set before me is bitter or sweet, I will never cease to give you praise. I know that in the end, it's going to work out for my good. I am determined to maximize my purpose and potential. I will arrive at your overall expected end for my life. I will get out of me everything you placed in me, and I'll do it before I die. I thank you, Father, for delivering me from ritual to relationship. I don't base my life on a depiction of truth. I base my life on a definite truth. And that truth is that Jesus, your son, died for my sin. My sins are not covered. My sin, all of it, has been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. So I enter this day with a clear conscience and a rested spirit. Sin has no power over me. I'm dead in Christ. I've done all the dying I'm going to do. I am internally at rest. And my rest comes from knowing that I'm saved from sin and death so I can rest in your plans. And I know greater 
is coming for me. I declare this by faith in Jesus name. Amen. This is today's word. So please apply it and prosper. If you're not getting these messages and you want my notes, you should want my notes. You get the notes for free. Go to todaysword.org, click on the big red subscribe button, put in your email address. You're going to get all my notes in your email inbox every day for free. I love you. God loves you more. I'll see you tomorrow morning. Please apply this word. Do me a favor though. Leave me some comments in the chat if this message was a blessing. And then after that, share this message on your social media, on your timeline, and with your friends. I'll see you tomorrow morning. God bless you.